0: Good morning. Stand with us this morning, please. I told the early service this morning that our band may be small this morning in number, but we're not down in power. We will need your help with a little hand clapping, though. Here we go, Caleb. Crap of praise this morning, man. We're so glad that you're here, and I want to say happy Father's Day to our fathers here today. May God truly bless you. May your wife or children or somebody take you out for a big old steak dinner today. Amen. All right, or whatever, Uh, man. We just want to say thank you, uh, guys, for being here and and for all of you. Hey, if this is your first time here, you can grab a handout uh in the back you can uh write down some stuff whatever you want us to know about you you know your social security number bank account you know that kind of stuff no, not really drop it in the offering receptacle or give it to the guys as you leave but uh or sign the guest book you know it's 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 important for us to know to be able to connect with you and, and please if you have a need you let us know because we're here to serve you we're here to try to meet those needs in the name of Jesus. So. uh We just want you to know that we're excited that you're here today. Let me just let me let you in a little secret. You know, you're not here by accident this morning. I I don't know why you think you came or what the circumstances were uh, that led you here this morning, but I want you to know that you're here by divine appointment and God has a word for you today. And so my message to you this morning is listen for God to speak because he certainly will. And we're glad you're here. Let's continue to worship him this morning. Many of you this morning would just would say that you need a healing touch from the Lord. It may be it may be a physical touch that you you just need to experience today, or it may be a it may be financial. It may be a relationship that needs to be healed. Um, I don't know. The the needs could vary as as much as folks in this place but I wonder this morning if you would just acknowledge you know what I need I need a healing touch and maybe it's not for you maybe it's for someone that's close to you would you just say would you just say pastor I need a healing touch would you would you do that this morning anybody in this place I just need a healing touch this morning well, you know what I've got good news for you the Lord Jesus Christ is still in the healing business and he has a desire to, to meet our needs as we call out to him. And so, in a moment, we're going to pray, and I want to pray for those needs. And also, as we pray, uh, we have a, a Pastor Brad just getting back from Peru, uh, literally a, a, a flying trip down and back. And uh, he and Iris crossed paths in the airport. They didn't even get to see each other. But I want you to, out in the lobby, uh, one of our own, Iris is going to be. Uh, spending about six or eight weeks down in Peru working with our family there, uh, I want you to make sure you pray for Iris and that God would God would use her. Uh, you, if you drove up this morning, hopefully you were observant enough to see the the buildings in the back. Remember we talked about them last week. They brought them and dropped them off in faith. Okay, still still got a lot of hurdles to clear with the city, and so uh, if it works out to where we we do get to keep them, then we've. You know, save quite a bit of money on moving expense because they were having to move them anyway. And we said, "Hey, just park them back there; it'll be all right." And, and so they did. And so we want to pray that 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 you know just that that God just uh, uh, just works through that and and uh, gets it cleared through the city. Uh, you know, as I mentioned last week, we kind of hit a hit a roadblock on on some of the building, and we're still working through that and making some progress, and so, you know, just, the, just a, a lot of things, and, and, and we, we, we mention these not to inform God of something He's not aware of, but, but just to say, God, we need you, and we need your healing touch, and so if you would join me this morning as we pray, and just pray for the, 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 the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ to rest upon us this morning. Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come, and, and we ask today. Lord, all over this building, there were hands that went up that that says, uh, we acknowledge that we need a touch from you today, a healing touch. And Lord, the needs are as varied as we are as individuals, but as we sang earlier, you're really all that we need because you are the answer to all of those things so Lord we thank you for that and I just pray for your healing touch to rest upon each and every person in this place this morning God whether it be physical financial relational spiritual Lord whatever emotional whatever it might be Lord I just pray that every person would just experience your healing power in their lives today Father there are those who are just bound by addictions today I pray that you would just set them free and heal them today. Father, I, I pray that as we as we're moving through the the places that you're leading, as you're expanding the building, adding uh, new buildings, and, and, and Lord, you just you just man go before us and prepare the way, and that we would walk in that way. And so, Lord, thank you for reminding us this morning that you are our healer, and there's nothing that's too difficult for you. And we praise you for that today, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand back up as we continue to worship together this morning.
1: morning, we have such a privilege to be able to worship not only our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but our Father, our Healer, the one who is that ever-present help in our time of need. You know, man, we have the honor and the joy of being able to celebrate every week what He's done for us. You know, but Jesus didn't require a whole lot of His disciples. He just said, guys, I just want you to go throughout all the world and make disciples. I'm just thankful that they didn't have a lot better sense than just to take him at his word. And he said, I just want you to go out there and I want you to make disciples. I want you to take men and women. I want you to take boys and girls. Lead them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and totally begin to transform the world through them one person at a time. And then he looked at him and he said, guys, I want you to do one more thing you're not going to have to get together every year and have the Passover and kill lambs anymore and all that because I'm going to Calvary in a few few moments and I'm going to lay down my life and die for you. And we're, we're going to partake of this, this covenant, this blood covenant, this, this uh, Passover meal one last time. And he says, guys, when you get together from time, I want you to do this. There's great debate in the religious circle about how often that should be should you do it every time, should you do it every three weeks should you do it the first Sunday after the fifth Monday I mean there's all kind of ways to do it Jesus just said guys I want you to do it, I want you to celebrate I want you to remember the sacrifice that I paid for you on Calvary's cross I want you to remember that you don't have to do this every year for salvation, I want you to remember that I have paid it all for you and then I want you to do one more thing I don't want you to get hung up on looking back I don't want you to get hung up on the rear view mirror every time you celebrate this cup thinking, oh, Jesus did all this for us and, and, and get overwhelmed with the sorrow. He says, guys, this is the last time we're going to partake of this cup on this side of heaven. But I want you to know something, that it's not the last time. The next time we'll be at a banquet table At the marriage supper of the Lamb And guys there will be a name place that, plaque there And I have your name there And you can sit at the marriage table The marriage supper of the Lamb And you can have fellowship with the King of Kings And the Lord of Lords for all of eternity So guys I want you to remember what I did for you Because this bread represents my body That was broken for you And my blood that was shed for you But guys more than that I want you to know something It represents that I'm coming back so you look back and remember what I did, but don't get hung up there. isn't about the past. It's about the future. Because where I am, there you can be also. Father, thank you for your body that was broken for us, your blood that was shed for us. Thank you, God, for the privilege of being called your children. Now, God, I pray that you would bless this cup and this bread. And, God, that it would bring honor and glory to you. Father, not only as we look backwards, Father, to the Calvary's cross that day, Pilate's hall, the Via Della Rosa, where your blood left a pathway all the way up Galgotha. And, Lord, they didn't take your life, but you laid it down freely. Thank you, Lord, that it represents that. But, God, thank you that it represents you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, coming back to be where we are. In Jesus' name, amen take and eat the body of Christ it was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us and the Bible says they all got together and they sang a hymn and went home we're not going home just yet but I can't think of a better song to sing right now than Lord I can worship you because of the shed blood of Jesus the Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart worship doesn't bring us into the presence of jesus the shed blood of jesus does but he says when you make access into my presence through the blood do it with a song in your heart with a smile on your face and a skip in your step knowing that you worship me because i've given it all for you let's sing a little bit more of this this morning just worship him church with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your mind with all of your spirit here we go
0: Continue to worship in church. It's all
2: about you, Jesus.
1: Father your word says that nothing is hidden from you and today you're looking into our hearts God today you're looking into our lives and I pray Lord that God we would just be honest with ourselves, examine ourselves, to see what it is you're speaking to our hearts and our lives God I pray that you would transform us on this very day And conform us into the image of your son, Jesus. Thank you that you have called us according to your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. It's a great day in the house of the Lord. Thank you, worship team, for a wonderful time of worship. Amen. Praise the Lord for what God is up to. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn to two passages of Scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 23 and then 1 Chronicles chapter 11, Um, I just want you to mark a verse there in 1 Chronicles 11. It's been a great week, a busy week. Thank you for your prayers. Um, Um... as I traveled to Peru, to our other campus there, God is definitely at work. A lot of things are happening. Several people ask, uh, did you accomplish all that you set out to do? And the answer was no, but then it was even more. Uh, God has a way of, like, just rearranging your whole schedule and say, here's mine. You know, and so we saw some great things happen. Things are moving in the right direction. Uh, our church is very close to be a, being officially recognized by the government which is a huge accomplishment in the country of Peru, not by our own strength or might, but by God's power and the blessing of his Holy Spirit. And so thank you for your prayers as we was there. God did a tremendous work. Uh, we're so blessed um, at what God's up to there. If you have your Bible today, we're going to deviate for one Sunday out of the book of Philippians. That's our sermon ser- summer sermon series. Um, We want to share a word for you dads today. I believe God gave us this divinely, um, not only for dads, but for every man, regardless of your age. God can use you in a tremendous way. King David was an example of that. We know when he was a child, everybody was hiding in their camp, running from Goliath, and David said, man, I just got enough of this. This dude is not going to defile the name of my God any longer. I'm going to go take care of business. They gave him Saul's armor and said, well, man, if you're going to go out there, you need some fighting armor. And he put that on and it was like a little child when he was very young, wearing his dad's boots and uh, couldn't walk in it. He laid that uh, fighting armor aside and he took his little slingshot and picked up five smooth stones and went out there and took care of business. Somebody said, well, did he think he was going to miss? There was only one giant. No, he had four brothers, and so he figured if they came and wanted to get his back, he'd take care of them too, one shot for each one. And so David became a mighty man of valor at a very young age, very young age. I want to read with us here in this passage of Scripture this morning, 2 Samuel 23 and 1 Chronicles chapter 11. We're going to read one verse out of 1 Chronicles 11. It says, As we look at this in verse 10, the following were the chiefs of David's warriors who gathered together with all of Israel, strongly supported the king, supported him in his reign to make him king according to the Lord, to the word of the Lord about Israel. And this was David's warriors. Now let's look at them in 2 Samuel 8, 23 and verse 8. It's the same list. I want to just read it out of 2 Samuel if we could. Uh, 2 Samuel was in action being written from the front lines, if you will. Chronicles was written by another man who was the Chronicle, made the Chronicles for the kings. And so here's what it says in verse 8. These were the names of David's warriors. Jehoshabed, Bashath, Ebeth. I've read that name all week, and I just still don't get it. I mean, I thought about what in the world was his mom and dad thinking. I I knew this person that named his child a crazy name because he lost a bet. I think somebody probably lost a bet on that one. It says he was the chief of the officers and he wielded his spear against 800 men and he killed them all at one time. But just circling your Bible there, he killed them all at one time. And then it goes on and says, After him, Eleazar was there, who was among three warriors with David, And when they defied the Philistines, would you circle that in your Bible? They defied them? What does that mean, defied? It means they were no longer going to be a pushover. They were no longer going to be persuaded into doing something. They had had enough, and they said, I'm fed up with it. And they defied the Philistines. And the men of Israel retreated from that place that they had gathered for battle. But Eleazar stood. Circle that, underline it, highlight it, put a star by it, I don't care. But here's the first thing he did. He stood up and he attacked them. Circle that word, attack. He wasn't there to play defense. This dude was on the offense. And he attacked the Philistines until his hand was tired. And it stuck. It cleaved to his sword. He he, he could try to let it go. And he 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 wouldn't let go. His sword was, when he couldn't hold his sword up any longer, God supernaturally put a grip on his hand that would not allow his sword to let go. And he stuck there. And his sword stuck to his hand. The Lord brought about a victory. Not just any victory, a great victory. Underline that in your Bible. The, The Lord brought. Now he was one man, everybody had retreated from him, but he was one man standing there, and he said, you know what, you you bunch of cowards, you got backbones like a noodle. Run if you want to, but I'm going to pour my life out on this spot right here. This is a spot I want to die on. I'd rather die fighting than live retreating. And the Lord brought about a great victory. And then all the troops came back after everybody was dead. To help him haul back all the plunder. Oh, wasn't they so sweet? Thinking of him. And then he goes on and says, after this guy there was Shema. The Philistines had once again assembled. And they were in this formation where there was a field full of peas. Or full of lentils. And where they, there he was and the troops fled again from the Philistines. So they're in this big pea patch and there's this formation of Philistines coming and all of a sudden everybody's running, but there's Shema; He's standing there. Why in the world did he stay? I don't know. Maybe he heard about crazy old Eleazar. It said, man, if Eleazar can stand up and and fight the fight by himself, I would rather die in this pea patch. This is a heel I will die on than live life in retreat. And so he stood there and he defended it. He defended it and said, you will not take this heel." And he struck down the Philistines. So there it is again. The Lord brought about a great victory. And so as this passage goes on, it says, and then there were three of the 30 leading warriors that went down at harvest time, and they came to David at this cave. And David was hiding there while a company of the Philistines was camping about around Jerusalem and they were no longer able to get back to Bethlehem and to their country. And the story goes on and says, man, at that time David was in this stronghold and he was camped out there and he couldn't go out because they were surrounded all around him. And you, you know how you are, he was probably pacing in the cave. And man, he was kind of thinking, you know, ah, oh, man, man, what I wouldn't give right now for just a drink of water from that special well in Bethlehem. Man, if I, you know guys, we're over here in this cave, we can't get back to our homes. Wouldn't it be great to just have a great drink of that? You ever been there, you're just longing for a drink of water or something, you're like, man, if I could just get there. A drink of water, special water. And you begin to long for it. And as they were longing for this, he, he was so extremely thirsty, he said, give me some of that water. And so three of the warriors overheard him, and they broke through the Philistine camp. They came out of the cave. They came out of hiding. And they went and they drew water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. At the gate! Not at the back. Not in the middle. Not hidden in someone's home, but at the front gate of the Bethlehem. They went and drew water from that well and they brought it back to David and he refused to drink it. And David said, oh Lord, Lord, I would never do such a thing. Is this not the blood of men who risked their lives? So he refused to drink it. Such were the exploits of these three warriors. I mean, David just didn't, I mean, he never expected these men to, come out of the cave and break through enemy lines and go to the front gate of the city where all eyes were upon it grab a bucket of water, come back through enemy lines without a bucket, with a bucket of water or a vessel of water not trying to spill it and bring it back to the cave and hiding he says oh my goodness just a random thought that I mentioned they heard the king say oh how I wish I had and they risked their life they were willing to pour their blood out So I will pour this water out as an offering to you, God. That was the most sacred thing at that moment. David said, oh, how I wish I had that drink. And they brought back that drink. And they said, oh, God. He said, oh, Lord. Here's this this thing I want so bad as an offering to you. It goes on. I mean, and then there was Joab's brother. He was the leader of the three, and he raised up his spear against 300 men and killed them, gaining a reputation among the three. And then, and then it continues and says, was he not the most honored of the three? And he became their commander, and even though he did not become one of the three, he was still honored more than all of them. And then there was Benaniah. I love this dude. I mean, old Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada was the son of a brave man. See, he was the son of a man of valor. He was a son of a fighting man, a son of a man who knew what it was like to stand firm on principle and conviction. And as he stood firm, there he was, this brave man, a man of many exploits. Benaniah killed two of the sons of Ariel of Moab, and then one day, I mean, I don't know how this happened, but one day he chased this lion in a pit on a snowy day, and he killed the lion. I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, there he is. There's a, a snowy day. First of all, there's a miracle. It was probably snowy in this region anyway. And so he chases the lion in the pit on a snowy day, and he killed the lion. And then, and then, I mean, he also killed this Egyptian, a huge man, the Bible says. And even though the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaniah went down to him with a club. It's kind of like taking a knife to a gunfight. I know you've heard that statement. This guy's got a spear. Here he comes with a club and he snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and then killed him with his own spear. This is one bad dude. These were the exploits of Benaniah, son of Jehoiada, who had a rec- reputation among the three warriors. But he was honored. He was, he was the most honored of not just the three, but all the 30. But he did not become one of the three. But David put him in charge of his own personal bodyguard. Man, we could continue reading the stories about these men. And I'm thinking, man, these this is just unbelievable. I can't comprehend it. I mean, this is stuff that you would think you would see on TV. And this was before Hollywood ever was. You know, I mean, it takes anybody can do the possible, but it takes superheroes to do the impossible. And I want you to understand something, my brothers and sisters in Christ. These were just ordinary men who had an extraordinary call of God on their life. But every one of us has that extraordinary call of God on our life. And as this passage of Scripture, I think, man, you know, in the world that we live in today, we have a lot of these kind of heroes. We've made them up. We have a bunch of, of, of illusion, illusions of heroes. I mean, for some of you older people, I mean, who was the first great American hero? John Wayne. I mean, John Wayne was conquering regions for a long time, and he's like, "Oh, John Wayne's a hero, man." The Duke. And then, man, there was this guy named Clint Eastwood. I mean, he was a he was he was a hero and a hero in the next decade, and a hero in the next decade. As a matter of fact, I like him better now in his old movies where he just plays an old man that's fed up. I mean, he's just this old guy that's fed up, and he's just like, you know. I mean, he just takes care of business. We made him out to be this hero. And then, and then oh, you remember the Sylvester Stallone age. I mean, the Rambos, the Rockies, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible. Man, we have all of these heroes that we've made up. And they've been made up by Hollywood. They've been made up by steroids and makeup. And we think, wow, these guys. You know why they're heroes? Because they get to take two. And they get to take three. Oh, wait. wait, Take 57. Well, can I just tell you today, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and when you're the only man in the pea patch and you're defending it and the whole army's coming against you, you don't get to take two. You don't get to take three. You don't get to do over. You're willing to put it all out there. And we made these people out to be heroes. matter of fact, some of them were so big as heroes. That they didn't even play a character. I mean, John Wayne never played a character. He just played John Wayne. He was John Wayne in every movie. Clint Eastwood played Clint Eastwood. You never thought about, oh, wow, he's he's Mr. So-and-so or he's Dirty Harry. No, you thought that's Clint Eastwood. And, man, we see these, these men. We made them out to be these fictitious heroes. They're, they're an illusion of what a true hero really is. And then there's another group of citizens in America that we've promoted to be superheroes. They're called athletes. I mean, they're a whole other class of citizenship. Matter of fact, when we think about this passage of Scripture, about this passage of scripture and then those guys, you're like, man, what are we really idolizing today? Who really is our heroes today? I mean, really, they're only tough. After they've trained their whole lifetime, countless hours, they're only heroes when they're playing the sport of their choice on the field of their choice by the rules that go along with the game of their choice with a guy refereeing to make sure it doesn't get a little tough. I was introduced to soccer late in life because we have a lot of soccer players here. I mean, the greatest thing, please, soccer fans, I love you, and I'm trying to get with the program, but the greatest thing that happens on a soccer field is when somebody gets a yellow card or a red card. That means it's getting interesting. I mean, I want to see some contact. And, man, I think about that, and, and, man, you know, what was... These guys are heroes only when they're protected by rules, only when they're protected by whistles, only when they're protected by cards, only when they're protected by... I mean, you want to talk about a real hero in the sports world? What about those guys that played before they were helmets? I mean, I don't remember them, but you can read about them. I mean, a few of them live to tell about it. I mean, they played football with no helmets, no pads. They just, like me, ignorance on fire. And these guys, we've made them out to be a whole other class of citizens in our country. I'm telling you what God's looking for is not an athlete. God's not looking for a movie star. God's looking for some mighty men of valor who's willing to stand up and make a difference. And I'll tell you this, you can never make a difference in the country, and you can never make a difference in your town till you made a difference in your own personal life, dad. Till you made a difference in your own personal life, young man, till you made a difference and said, I am willing to stand up and be all that God has called me to be. I am not willing to sell out my birthright and my spiritual heritage so for some passing pleasure of sin that this world has in store for me. I am willing to stand up, stand firm, and look for the blessing of what God has in store for my life. That's what these men did. I mean, these men did not become the mighty men of valor. I mean, David did not put put a search committee together and put a, a team together and say, hey, can you go through the 12 tribes of Israel and try to find me three mighty men of valor from each tribe? No, that's not how it happened. These men were doing the act of valor, and as a result of doing the act of valor, they were noticed because they didn't stand up to stand out. When they stood up, they stood out because they were doing what nobody else was doing. And David said, hey, 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 I remember that guy. You remember that guy? You remember that crazy guy that chased that pit, that line in the pit? Go get him. I believe, he, I believe he can be one of our mighty men of valor. What about that crazy guy, Shema, that was going to, like, give his life for a pea patch? We need him. Go get him. You see, they weren't recruited because of, they, they weren't recruited and they weren't, retrain, they were not trained to be mighty men of valor. They were mighty men of valor, so they were enlisted. They didn't have to go through boot camp and I don't mean to minimize that for our military but I am telling you they had went through what was called the boot camp of life and they had stick-to-itiveness. I know I made that word up but it's good stuff. They were willing to stick with the stuff and cling to the unchanging hand of God and say I will not back down, I will not let up, I will not compromise God's plan for my life. There's a couple of things about these mighty men of valor that I observed this week. When I look at it, man, they understood what Paul was writing about in 1 Corinthians six and 13, 16 and 13, where, where he said, Hey, guys, I mean, it was a church going through a difficult time. There was a lot of immorality running rampant. And he said, Hey, guys, over there in the church of Corinth, it's time for you to stand up and be a man. It's time for you to stand up and be accounted for. It's time for you to stand up and make a difference. They understood that. These men, there was a couple things about them. These men were men who stood up against the tide. And it wasn't the roll tide. It was the tide of of Philistines that were coming against them and said, No way are you taking my pea patch. I need this pea patch to feed my family. I need this pea patch to feed the family of Israel. I will fight it to death. They were men who fought off the enemy. They were men who ministered to the leaders around them. Those, you remember the three guys? I mean, David just said, I, man, I, well, if I could just have a drink of water from that well at Bethlehem. Okay, boom, they were gone. They didn't have to have special ops training. Their king desired, and they went. I'm telling you what we're needing today in America is that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm telling you today, men, you can be all that you can be through Christ. Who is the real man? He's not the guy at the weight room. He's not the guy working out. He's not the guy in the White House. He's not the guy in the Senate. He is the man on the front lines in his home every day who loves Jesus Christ and says, I don't care what the world says. I am willing to stand up and pledge my allegiance to the cross of Calvary and the Lamb of God, and the blood that was shed, and celebrate on the resurrection side. They were willing to please their king. How about you? How about you, men? You want to please your king, the one who gave his life for you? I'm not talking about one who just serves a short season, and then is gone. I'm talking about the one who rules and reigns forever. They defied logic. I mean, one man killing 800 men at one time? I mean, listen, that's unbelievable. On the flight back, I, this is a little interesting. I, man, the flight back from Peru is just tough. All flights leave at midnight. I don't care when you leave. And I knew I I was tired before I got to Peru. And I was really tired. I said, oh, man, I, I got on my lap and got me a good seat up front, just two seats. I said, man, I'm going to settle in. I'm going to give me a good I'm gonna sleep. I got in there was this guy and man he like took up his seat and part of my seat and so I really couldn't sleep a whole lot and so man I was bored and you know you was too tired to read but too awake to sleep and man I cut on the television was gonna watch a movie and they had this this movie Another Day to Die Hard. I mean I got to thinking how many days is Bruce Willis gonna die hard? Nevertheless I was bored and had seen just about everything else. I put that on and. It was unbelievable right out the gate. I mean, I was just like, really? This is so ridiculous. I mean, there's nothing reasonable about it. I mean, they didn't even develop a storyline and then go crazy. It was just crazy right out the gate. I mean, I mean, crazy stuff. Like, I mean, at one point, Bruce Willis took down this helicopter by tying it off to an 18-wheeler and having a tug-of-war contest. I mean, is that crazy or what? And I was sitting there looking at it, I was like, this is just ridiculous. Can I just tell you something? That one man standing in the middle of a pea patch, I'm not talking about a cornfield where he could hide every now and then. I'm talking about at the, at the highest height is knee high. And this one man standing there saying, you know what? This is my pea patch. Bring it on. I will shed my life at this spot. They defied logic. Is that logical? No, a man chasing a lion in a pit on a snowy day and coming out victoriously with the lion dead, is that logical? No. I mean... But why did it happen? Well, it didn't happen because of take three, four, fives, and sixes. It didn't happen because of stuntmen. It didn't happen because of makeup. It didn't happen because of special effects. It happened because they were willing to stand up and say, God, here I am. You have called me to this place for such a time as this. And I am willing to die at this moment than live the rest of my life in retreat and defeat thinking what could have been. And because they were willing to defy logic, it says the Lord brought. Remember I asked you to underline that in your Bible? The Lord brought the victory. The Lord brought the victory. Now, listen, you ladies are going through the study of Gideon, and that's a phenomenal story. I mean, that dude went from, what, 30,000 to 300? Uh, Boy, that's a bad day in the army. But what about this dude named Shema? Everybody left him standing there. What about Eleazar? Everybody left him. I bet he'd have been happy to have 300 brothers with him. It was just him. Just him. And he said, I will defy logic because I am the first responder to my family. I am the first responder. I am the one who meets the needs. I am the one who makes a difference. I am the one who is writing history with the blood of my own life, if need be. I mean, we know some of those men in our country. We read about them in storybooks. We've seen those men who have stood up and said, Give me liberty or give me death. I would rather die than live one more day under the iron rule of a vicious government. We know men who said, I will die on this hill, and they died on that hill. The things that we hold dear were by men who loved this country so much that they shed their blood, and some are shedding their blood as we're sitting here in comfort today. These were men who defied logic. They were men who were the first responders, but there were three things about these men that made them who they were, that made them able to defy logic, that made them able to be first responders, that made them able to be these kind of men. And here's what their three things were. Their heart was totally committed. They understood what the king of kings was saying, In the New Testament, when he said, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. They understood that, and their life was totally committed, and they did not have a dual allegiance. A lot of countries allow dual citizenships, but many do not. And one of the reasons is because of what the Bible says, that no man can serve two masters, and they get to thinking if a person has two citizenships in two different countries, which one will he be loyal to? These men could die on those heels. They could chase lions in pits on snowy days because their heart was totally abandoned to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They had totally sold out to the plan of God and the will of God for their life. And they said, you know what? I don't want a substitute. I don't want a phony plan when I have the real plan. Why do I want to try to achieve a worldly dream when God's dream for me is that it hadn't even entered into my mind the thing that God God has in store for me yet. They were men that were totally committed. There was something else about them. Their life was an offering. David said, why did David pour out that water? Because he said, these men were willing to pour out their blood for me to get a drink of water. If these men were willing to risk life and family, To just bring a cup of water to their king who desired it. How about you man? What are you willing to risk? You don't have to break through the barracks. You don't have to break through the garrisons. You don't have to do those kind of things. Because Jesus says, if you just find somebody somewhere. And you just give them a cool cup of water. It's like you've done it unto me. These were men who were willing to give it all. As we've been going through the book of Philippians, uh, Call brought me some pictures of where they had been, had actually went to Philippi last year, and man, I was looking at these pictures uh, that he was showing me the other day, and it was actually the pictures in Philippi of the, the theaters, where they would bring these men in, and they would bring Christians in that had, were caught serving the Lord, and they would bring them in this is the the arena where they would where they would bring the christians in and try to let them fight the lions man this is the chute that they would run the lions through and come up in the middle of the arena guys that's there you you can get on an airplane and go see that You you can walk down the pathway where the lions walk. You can stand on the concrete where the blood of Christians were shed. Why in the world was it shed? Because it was men of God who said, I would rather give my life and be devoured in front of all of these pagan people than to bow my head and kiss the ring of the God of this world and live the rest of my life in remorse and reproach. God's looking for some men who's willing to Stand in the center and say, I will defend this spot to death if need be. It doesn't mean you're going to win every battle because there was a many of Christians who lost the battle. Matter of fact, the Bible says in the hall of faith, it talked about all the great things that happened. But then it said that there were others who were placed in logs and sown in two and women received their, their, their young brought back to them and dead and, many dead. and many wandered around in the wilderness destitute and desolate and sheepskin and hiding. But I am telling you something today. They died on the right side. They made it to the Hall of Faith because they were willing to die pledging their allegiance to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They weren't interested in a dual citizenship. They weren't interested in being with the world one moment and God the next on Sunday. They were sold out and said, you know what, God? I would rather live for you in poverty and in in, in being destitute than live in the abundance of the wealth of the world. Man, as I was with our church in Peru, I listen to them worship. One of the hardest things for me as a pastor that's our family. I go back and go back and go back and I'm watching their kids grow and I'm watching them bring new babies into the church and dedicating those new babies and man, I was there Thursday night I preached right before I left to go to the airport and man, I got through and there was just a line of moms that was just bringing their babies up to me Pastor Ralph, please pray for my baby and one of the hardest things for me as a pastor is like to get on the airplane and come back and leave them there. And leave them in that situation. But I'm telling you something. When they worship God, they don't need they don't need all the bells and whistles. They don't need the light shows. I'm telling you, I don't know what they're saying. Because I don't I, I don't speak any Spanish. But I'm telling you that they are worshiping. I don't know what they're saying, but God does. And they are pouring their heart out to God and they are worshiping Him with all of their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength, with all their spirit, and all of their Poverty. God's looking for men who are willing to pour their life out as an offering. We don't have to die because Jesus died for us. But if need be, would you go down on the winning side? Or would you sell your soul for just a few more moments? Of a life that's nothing but a vapor. These men were men. They accomplished this because, because their heart was committed. Because their life was an offering. But the last thing. These men had a vision for their life that was limitless. There was no limit to the what their life could be. Because they were totally committed. It kind of came. God brought me to this passage of scripture this week. Really out of almost a moment of Desperation. We've been praying for some time and have really been searching the scriptures and as we're growing as a church and we're adding more structure and ways to minister to our family. Man, we've been looking at what does the Bible really say about elders? What does the Bible really say about deacons? Not what I've been taught by church government or church history, but what does the Bible teach about it? What is the real teaching of a pastor? What is the real teaching of a bishop? What are they? What is that all really about? And Monday... We were just really overwhelmed, Ralph and myself. We were in a meeting and just everything that's happening and all the stuff. And we're just like, God, you know, I, I remember telling him, I said, Pastor Ralph, it's just too quick. This is just not logical. It's more than my flesh can handle. And I remember looking at him and I said, Pastor, if I feel this way, how in the world is those people who's following us feel? What in the world are these crazy preachers getting us into? This week. What, what's he gonna show him say crazy next week? And just out of, in the moment of the spirit, I just said, you know, Pastor, you know what we, we don't you know what we need more than some deacons, you know what we need more than elders, you know what we need more than bishops, we need some mighty men of valor who's willing to stand up and say, Hey, Pastor, I'm gonna be the front shield for my home. And I'm gonna be the rear shield for my home. And when, when I'm being the front shield for my home and the rear shield for my home, and I'm going to be fighting my pea patch, for my pea patch, I'm going to be defending my family. I'm going to be serving my king. And if you're fighting for your family, you will fight for your king. I'm going to say, God, we just need mighty men of valor. Not dressed up, not super spiritual heroes. Not Christians who know how to say all the things and, and uh, uh, all the lingo. I was talking to a person the other day, and after visiting with him for quite some time, I was asked, do you have any questions or any comments? And they said, you know what, Pastor? I'm just so happy that when we're with this family and we're with this group of people that we don't have to speak in tongues to be spiritual. I'm just glad that I can be who I am, that I can be honest before God. I don't mean I'm saying tongues isn't a spiritual gift. That's not what I'm saying. But what they were saying is, I'm glad that it's not about the gift here. I'm glad that it's just about the one who gave his life. And today, men, God is extending you an invitation. He's saying, would you, sir, be the one? Now, I'm not talking about a shallow commitment. I'm talking about men who's willing to say, I'll be the mighty men of valor. You know, I told Pastor Ralph, you know, you think, man, David had a lot of mighty men of valor. And then I've looked at how many people were in his nation. He probably had around 900,000, a million men that were around him, but only 37 rose to the top and said, I'll be one of them, Pastor. But I'm telling you, and when you got one man who can fight off a whole army, you don't need a bunch. And I'm telling you that you say, oh, Pastor, I can't be that person. I don't know how to pray like that. I don't know how to read the word like that. I don't know how to do battle like that. There's your first problem. You don't know how to. You'll never know how to. I mean, this may disappoint some of you, but I really don't know how to do what I'm doing right now. I just wake up every day and say, God, I'm in over my head. If you don't show up today, I'm going down. Please manifest yourself in my life today or I will be made a fool of. I remember I remember on the plane ride over to Peru this week one of the things that we were going to do is, we were, I mean, we were trying to find property for our new church. We were trying to find a temporary building for them to use because they've outgrown that space. And when I say they've outgrown it, they've outgrown it. I mean, we were packed in there, and I was preaching. I mean, they were right on top of me, and I was right on top of them. And they were right on top of each other, and it was just a warm, fuzzy feeling. And I remember thinking one of the things was several weeks ago, probably two months ago, there was this church, this pastor that's about to retire and there was no one to step up and take over, Pastor Alberto, and he's been the pastor who's been helping get us through the the political hoops to become legally recognized in that country. And as I met Pastor Alberto, he's like, I have no one to take over this church and I'm 70 years old and I don't want to see it go by the wayside. He said, I want to give you the church. I told Pastor Marco, Pastor Marco, I got more than I can handle in Peru. I don't need his church. And he said, oh, Pastor, the Lord provide. And so I just blew it off. I'm not going to lie. And so six weeks later, Marco called me, Pastor, and he said, they voted last night and said, it's your church. I said, well, I never said I'd take it. It's okay. You meet them when you come. And so I'm on the airplane going over there, and I'm thinking, God, God, I can't do this. And he said, son, I know you can't. That's why I'm going to bring the victory. I was reading this scripture in my Bible on the way over, and it said, and the Lord brought the victory, and the Lord brought the victory, and God said, son, I just need you to show up. I just need you to be in the pee patch. I just need you to chase the line. I know you're not going to know what to do with the lion when you catch him. I will take care of that. I know you need to bring a knife to a gunfight. I know you're outnumbered. I know those who are with the world are more than those who are with you. I just need you to be there. And man, I met this pastor. Do We have that picture of Pastor Alberto and this little lady, and he said, come, come, I'll take you and meet you some of our church family. And I went, and there was this old man. He said, these people here are too old to to, uh, make it to the church because they live on the other side of the mountain. And man, I hate to admit this in public, but confession's bad for the reputation, but good for the soul. And by the time I got to his house, I mean, my legs were trembling. I then went up the mountain. I mean, straight up and back over. And I'm thinking, God, if I'm gonna work pastor churches over here, I gotta start working out or something. And he said, that old brother, he can't make it. And we went there, and I went in this house, and there was this little lady. She reached me right there. And he said, just pray for them. Man, we began to pray. This old saint of God living in poverty. He said, they can't go to church, but they pray for pastors everywhere. They stay in this house and they pray for pastors everywhere. You can fight off your pee patch anywhere. Quit looking through your human eyes and look through your spiritual eyes. God's plan for our life is greater than anything we can imagine. We need men of God who are willing to stand up and say, I'll be the one. And these men of God need some women of God. Who would be willing to say, yes, dear. Not to all of his snaps and hops and pleadings and implorings, but would be willing to say, "Yes, dear. You can do this. Won't you come back in this house? That pea patch needs you." Yes, dear. You go in God's speed and I'll pray for you. I will be here. I will be holding the front line. I will be maintaining the home. I will be the woman that God has called me to be while you're being the man that God has called you to be. And there's some of you ladies in here today, I mean, you're frustrated. You've been looking for that man of God and you have saddled and you've ended up with a, with a milk dud and not a spiritual giant. I'm telling you, don't compromise what God has for you. Don't sell yourself sharp. I don't care how old you are. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a mate for you. And you stick with the stuff. And you get you a man of valor. And not a man of the word. Of the world. And your life will be blessed. Today God is calling us out. In the world we live in, the most unpopular thing to be is a Christian. Today, God is looking for someone who, like the high school student, who ripped up their valedictorian speech and began to recite the Lord's Prayer. I mean, it stirred up more atheists than most churches do in a decade. In one moment. Why? Because that young person stood up. And because they stood up, they stood out. God's not looking for people who stand out to stand up. God's looking for people who will stand up when nobody's looking. God's looking for people not who have the golden toilets and the golden thrones and the golden all of this in the ministry. God's looking for people who are willing to say, God, all I got is just a few widow mites, but nothing in my hand I bring, but simply to the cross I can cling. Lord Jesus, though none go with me, I still will follow. I will follow. I I will not back down. I will not let up. I will be the man of my family. I will lead my family. I will be the spiritual leader. I will lead the spiritual time. I will train up my children to be what God has them to be. I will not subcontract the spiritual heritage of my children to any religious denomination. I, as the man of God, will stand up and be all that God wants me to be. I will not subcontract all of their influence to the secular school system, to the world. I will not wait for the government to bring them the answer. I will take them to the answer. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I know you may be having hard times with your children. I know your children may be driving you crazy. You drive them to God. You say, Pastor, they won't come. Oh, you have power of persuasion. Maybe they won't come on their own. But I've never heard a child come back and tell their parents, I am so mad at you at the end of their life because you gave me Jesus Christ. I remember one of my heroes, a man of valor. Looked at his son, who was a Christian, who was a sold out believer. The dad was a sold out believer. And he was talking to his dad, and he said, Dad, I'm just so worried about my brother, Ronnie. You know, Dad, he's a liberal, he thinks crazy things. What are we going to do with him? What's going to happen? Ronald Reagan reached over and grabbed the hand of Michael and he said, son, I'm not worried about Ronnie's politics. I'm worried about Ronnie's soul. I don't care how he votes. I don't care what party he's with. Son, I want Ronnie. I want Ronnie to have the greatest thing in the world. Jesus Christ. I'm telling you today, what we need is men of God. I don't care if you don't know how to pray. Who cares? I just need you to show up and say, God, I don't know how to pray today, but here's my heart. Please let my child escape the snare and the trap of the world and receive Jesus Christ. Who cares if they're a millionaire? Who cares if they're a pop star? Who cares if they're the athletes? Who cares if they're the president of the United States? If they gain the whole world and lose their soul, what have they gained? Would you be that man? would say "Though none go with me i'll still follow father god today in the name of jesus i pray for these men i pray for this message god not because i preached it but because you've given it i pray that men will take this message moms will take this message and put it in the hands of their children their grandchildren their co-workers and God, that out of this, Lord, out of this time, that you would help mighty men of God to rise up. Lord, today we're not looking for an emotional stirring. We're not looking for a shallow commitment. But God, we're looking for men who would say, Lord, I just want everything you have for my life. And God, for these moms today, Lord, help them, these wives, help them to be those mighty men of valor. For the woman that's still waiting on her husband God give her patience to wait for her prince for her mighty man of valor God for the parents who are living for you and they are mighty men of valor Lord I know not every battle will be won God I don't understand it your ways are in our ways your thoughts are in our thoughts I pray for them today that they gain a supernatural boldness in their life that is uncomparable to anything the world could bring them now would you move in our service today in Jesus name we pray amen you stand to your feet today won't you come we'll have some people here to pray with you the Lord speaking to your heart won't you come today would you decide right now to follow Jesus
2: how
1: about you sir How about you, sir? Would you? I know you may come to, to church a lot. Would you take it to the next level?
2: Would you come? Would
1: you come? Wives, would you come pray for your husbands? Would you pray for your children? Pray for an outpouring of God's spirit to move like you can't imagine. Would you come today?
2: Will you
1: come if nobody else does? Will you serve if nobody else does? Will you wait if nobody else does? Will you pray if nobody else does? Will you, does? Will you, will you be the man of valor if nobody else is? This isn't shallow Christianity. This is talking about you committing your life to Christ. You pouring your life out as an offering. But I'm telling you what you will receive in that is anything greater than you could ever imagine. A limitless vision for your life.
0: this morning? Would you let that be the prayer for your life? Would you let that be the prayer for us collectively as a church family that we just make a decision to follow Him, whether it's to follow Him in a a pit after a lion on a snowy day, or to stand in the middle of a pea patch till our hands just cleave to the sword. We couldn't even turn it loose if we wanted to. But just let that be our prayer this morning, uh, to to just follow Him. And wherever wherever that leads we just have that heart of obedience to, to follow him. please uh, as we leave or as we continue to worship this morning you can you can worship by coming and giving your offering we have some receptacles here uh, we uh, will have some guys standing at the door uh, you can feel free to, uh, to give as, as you go out however the Lord leads you to do that. Uh, if if you are a guest here today, again, I want to encourage you to give us an offering of information today. Uh, if you're not comfortable filling out the thing, sign the guest book out in the lobby. So we just want to minister to you, uh, whatever that looks like, ha- however that uh, might be. And so just uh, encourage you to do that. And just wanna, uh, if we're gonna be, uh, we're gonna be baptizing in a couple of weeks, a few weeks, we're gonna be doing that. So if you're uh, interested in that or want more information or you need to be baptized, please see me about that, and and uh, we'll we'll make sure that we uh, we make that happen soon. And uh, also, if you're interested, if you believe the Lord may be uh, just connecting you at a deeper level with our family, uh, we're gonna be doing a what we call our 101 class, just kind of a, uh, a way for you to connect with us and learn more about who we are and what we're about and what we believe and how we function and, and all of that and give us an opportunity to know you. And so if you're interested in that, you just let me know and, and we'll make sure to get you plugged into that, all right? Thank you so much for being here and worshiping with us today. Don't forget, pray for our missionaries uh, wherever they, uh, you know, we've literally scattered around the world, so uh, pray for them. Pastor Brad.
1: Amen. Pray for our chasers. Yeah. They're out every day in the city doing ministry. Can I just tell you it's hot? You pray for them for their safety as they're out in the heat trying to reach children that nobody else wants to reach and being all that God's called them to be. Amen. Make sure you pick up the card for IRS out in the foyer. Take that home. Put it on your refrigerator. And uh, pray for her every day. It's a reminder. Just God, protect her young girl, all these college students Irs these on the screen they could be anywhere in the world this summer but they chose to be here not to be backpacking across Europe but to be backpacking across the ghettos of Alexandria they need you they need your prayers, they need you to show up they need you to encourage them, get the chaser schedule you don't have to do nothing, just show up, hug them help them serve, kool-aid, cookies with cake rolls, little Debbies. I promise you, it will mean more to them than you could ever imagine. Amen? It's been great to be here today. Let me pray for us. Hope you have a happy Father's Day, and uh, you have a wonderful day in the Lord. Thank you for your prayers this week. I know God is up to some big stuff. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for who you are and for what you're doing in our lives. God, as we sing this last song, to uh, worship you with all of our heart, souls, our benediction. I just pray we'll let loose and let you have your way in our heart and life today. Thank you for being the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we Will sing?
2: Will you decide now to follow Jesus?